our Lisburn Church. Now, we're turning to God's word, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 15 of the chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning or reading at verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice ever more, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. And I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We know the Lord will add again his blessing to the precious word of God. Let's unite in a word of prayer. Our gracious and our loving God, we do thank thee for uh, the work of the missionaries. We thank thee for what has been achieved there in Kenya and Spain, in Nepal, in Liberia, in Uganda and all of the other places. And we pray, gracious God, that thou wouldst bless the going forth of thy word, that thou wouldst bless those that labor for thee in the different spheres. O God, we pray that thy word might have free course and be glorified in these days. And Lord, now just teach us from thy word. Lord, give us the instruction that we need and give us the willingness to take it in. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, over the last uh, little while, we've been looking at these um, commands and warnings that Paul has written at the end of his epistle to the Thessalonians. He uh, speaks with a pastor's heart, and he wants to enforce these precepts, and he wants, in a practical way, to direct the people in the way that they should go. And we have said something about the fact that these are the Christians' marching order. And we also pointed out, I think, the last day, how that there is not a haphazard order to the commands and the warnings that he gives. They relate to each other. If we rejoice evermore, then the Lord will give us the strength to pray without ceasing. And then if we pray without ceasing, we will gain answers to our prayers. And then we will give thanks to God and everything give thanks. Then he says that if we're um, praying and giving thanks to God, then it is less likely that we will quench the Spirit. And if we quench not the Spirit, then with reference to God's Word, we despise not prophesying. And then the last one here is that we abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, those, two, um, those seven commands or warnings fall into two categories, just like the Ten Commandments were in two categories. The Lord's Prayer was in two categories. 
There are the positive commands, and then there are the negative injunctions or warnings here. So like all that God gives, there is a way that God has of presenting all this. Now, you'll see what we want to deal with today. It's that last uh, warning where he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, we represent God uh, we, uh, as the mighty God of heaven. He is the God of holiness. He is the God of righteousness. And we, as his people, are representing him. And we need to be salt and light in this day in which we live. And if we are going to do that, then all the defilement that is upon our hearts and our lives has to be dealt with. These things that uh, come into our lives, the sins that so easily beset us, need to be set aside. And if we're going to represent God and represent Christ, and if we're going to preach the gospel in these days, if it's going to be effective, then how important it is that we abstain from all appearance of evil. But here is a very mighty command and a very weighty command in many ways. I want us just to spend time today and think for a few minutes about what Paul means here when he says that we abstain from all appearance of evil. And the first thing that I want you to see as we look at this command is the abomination that is real. He speaks here about the appearance of evil. And evil in the Bible here is a translation of the word poneros, which we get 75 times in the New Testament. And it just means, it's the word from which we get pornographic. And it has that thought, evil, wickedness. But we think about the evil here. There's a little bit of debate about what the evil is. Now, there are different words for evil in the Greek language. One of the words is a word that just means evil, pure, and simple. If we could say like that. And there is that evil that is just in the world in which we live. And we think about that evil that is all around us. You think of, for example, if we're going to take uh, some examples. You think of the drug trafficking trade. You think of the sex trafficking trade. You think of the pornographic industry. All of these things, the, the um, organized crime, all of these things. And these are obvious things. But we do not deny, and we cannot deny, that there's evil in the world. Man has been told that he's basically good. Man has been fed the line today that if you give people the right circumstances, that all will be well. Well, of course, history has proved that that's not the case. And there, are, there is evil in the world, not only uh, that is put upon us by the devil, not only that which is foisted upon us by the demons of hell, but simply because of the sin that is in our own hearts and in our own lives. But I want you to see that he commands here to abstain from all appearance of evil. And we were just saying there that there are two words that speak of evil. There is this word, one word, that speaks of evil, pure and simple. But then there's another word that, uh, for evil which speaks of not only that which is evil, but that which is militantly evil, that which wants to spread the evil. And that's the word that is used here. It's not just that they're content 
to be evil, but they're like those in the book of Romans chapter 1 who love to have it so and delight to spread the message of evil. If you turn back to Romans chapter 1, you'll see what it speaks about this kind of a person here. It speaks about them uh, that they um, are um, those... I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Uh, without understanding covenant breakers, and it speaks of them who are reprobate. They have changed, it says, the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And then it says, God gave them up to uncleanness and to the lusts of their hearts. And then if you go on down there, it speaks of them in verse 28, that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then if you go down to verse 32, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them, that do them. In other words, not only do they delight in what is being done in the evil that is taking place, but they delight in others who do it. They want to spread. They want to attract others into their evil. They want to bring others into their fold, as it were. And I don't have to apply that too much today because we have a world in which evil is being spread. There are those that are militant for evil. You have it in the universities, and it was particularly in the universities of the United States, but it's coming in here uh, where they are teaching this. They want to teach it in the schools, even in their own land. They want to teach these things. They They want to take our young children and to teach them things that they're not ready in any way to understand, never mind take in. But you go on the internet and you look at, um, sometimes you get teachers on there, and they are boasting about the fact that they are um, telling their children about their private lives, and their private lives are anything but wholesome. And they're delighting in this. They are delighting in that. So this is evil, but it's not just evil, per se, but it is an evil that wants to spread itself. It's not content. And we find that in this world. They are not content that there are those that oppose what they say. They're not content that there are Christians in the world that oppose their objectives and their stand. They want to force us to bow down to what their agenda is. And that's what we have in this day in which we live. And that's the meaning of evil here in this portion of Scripture. It's not just wickedness, but it is that which is promoted. And wickedness is being promoted in the media today. If you um, look at um, Hollywood films, and I wouldn't wouldn't in any way uh, recommend it in many ways, you will find not very long into maybe about a third of the films, maybe more, where someone will say either, oh, I don't believe in God, 
or um, they will disparage those that preach the word of God. And there is this subtle drip, drip, drip. You get it in the adverts now, all of the adverts, they are uh, promoting this agenda. And the world, we, have, we are against the prince of the power of the air. So there is this evil, evil. Not only is there the private evil, the, uh, the evil that's inside us, as it were, but there is not only the um, vicious evil, and this is really what it means, it's vicious evil, but it, it is also uh, social evil. Now, the, uh, the word evil also speaks not only of this vicious act of evil, but that which is socially worthless or wicked or degenerate. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 37, he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And this is the word. And quicken thou me in thy way. There are things that are worthless. Things that the world looks to that has no value at the end of the day. You think, well, for example, you think of uh, pornography or gambling or drunkenness. Those things have no value to people, only ruining them at the end of the day. And yet these are the things that people are looking to. Materialism, gathering material things. And we soon realize that those um, material things are not going to be able to bring with us. So there is this not only vicious, active evil... But it is a morally vain evil. It'll come to nothing in the end. And this is what Paul is speaking about here in this portion of Scripture. He is speaking about the appearance of evil, but he is indicating that this evil is real. We don't need to prove that too much. And maybe we do in this day because everything has been turned upside down and that which is absolutely evident is being denied but we, uh, uh, we recognize, if we have sight in our eyes, if we have ears to hear, that there is a, an act of evil that is taking place in this world in which we live. There are those that are against God and against the things of God and are delighting in it. You saw it in the election campaign. There were certain parties that were proclaiming their opposition to the things of God. They were blatantly, that was what they were standing on. Some of those parties got nowhere. They are, have been obliterated, and we thank God for that. But nevertheless, there is that act of evil that is being promoted in this day. But not only do I want you to see here the abomination that is real, but I want you to notice the abstinence that is required. The text says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the word abstain there just is a word that means shun or stay away from. It has the connotation not only just of staying away from it, but has the thought of behind it, abhorrence, of loathing, of revulsion. You're not just staying away from it, but it actually turns your stomach. It actually is something that you don't want to touch. It's like something that's completely unclean. It's impure. It's morally filthy. And so you stay away from it. It's the same word that Paul used in the chapter 4 and verse 3, that ye should abstain 
from fornication. Peter used a similar word in 1 Peter 2 and 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And he just means just stay away from it. Just keep away from it. Don't, don't indulge it. Don't indulge the flesh. Don't give place to the flesh or to fornication or any of these things. And the word there just means to deliberately withdraw from something. Deliberately stand away from it. So what we're talking about here is the biblical doctrine of separation. And we have a number of um, times in the Bible where this uh, word is used. Um, we think about in Luke 7 and verse 6 where the, um, you remember how the centurion came to the Lord and the servant was sick and it described the physical distance between the Lord and the servant that uh, the Lord couldn't go to the servant because it was too far. That's the word. It's, it's put yourself at a distance that you're never going to get there. It's um, so far away that um, it's impractical for you to get there. That's the thought. Or in Matthew 15 and verse 8 and Mark 7 and 6, the word is described, uh, they're used to describe human hearts that are hardened and distant and far from God. Or in Acts 15 and 20, it is used of James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, that Gentiles should abstain from food offered to idols. Stay away from it. Withdraw from it. So what we're saying here is the biblical doctrine of separation. And separation is real. We are to stay away from certain things. And I know that there are those that will say that we're preaching legalism. This is the watchword that is used in this day and generation. There is such a thing as legalism. It's, uh, legalism is placing anything in the place of God as salvation, that I can do something to either save myself or keep my salvation. Well, we do something to keep ourselves. We, we do walk with God. There is that sense. But God is ultimately the one who saves us and keeps us. But it is not legalism to obey God. It's not legalism to stay separate from those things that are going to defile us. It's not, it's not legalism to say that you don't put your hand in the fire or else you'll get burned. That's not legalism. You think of Daniel in his day. And it says of Daniel in Daniel 1 and 8, that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. What was wrong with the king's meat? Was there anything wrong with the food? No, except that it was that which was offered to idols. It was associated with heathenism. It was the attempt of the people to bring God's people and accustom them to the culture and the laws of that day. And Daniel said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay separate. A modern example of personal uh, separation is maybe where you decline invitations to a party where alcohol is served. And we think of how we are to abstain here from all appearance of evil. And the Bible clearly teaches that the child of God is to be separate. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, 
And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, that has, uh, is a message that perhaps has weaned a little bit in our consciousness. He say, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verses 14 to 16, As obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So there is to be that separation from worldliness and the things of the world. There's also to be ecclesiastical separation, separation from false worship, separation from idolatry, separation from that which undermines or is blasphemous against the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of um, the Reverend Stephen Stockman, who went to see the Pope the other day and uh, greeted him as a brother in Christ, whereas the Pope has given him the title of the Vicar of Christ. In other words, he's usurping the title of the Holy Spirit of God, and there is that blasphemy. Or you, I just read yesterday in the paper about the Church of Scotland, who are going to have fraternal relations with the Church of Rome, and they're going to treat them as brethren. Now, the ecumenical movement is still going on. I suppose in many ways we don't hear as much about it as once we did. But there is that departure that has taken place, and the danger is that because the voice maybe of those that are separate and outside the camp has lessened to some degree and measure, that there are those that are going to take it as a green light to head on and forge on in their apostasy and in their rebellion against the things of God. No, we are to abstain from all appearance of evil, separate from it, stay away from it, and we can't in any way get involved in those things where there, is, um, there may be nice people in some of the churches and even God's people in some of the churches. But where there is that confusion and where there is that denial of the very heart of the gospel and it is undisciplined, then there is a problem. There is a problem that has taken place. And it's vital in these confusing days of compromise in which God's word is being undermined in many ways, that preachers and churches uh, herald the fact that we as God's people have the responsibility to stand separate. Of course, the heart of the doctrine of separation is discernment. We need a holy discernment. And that's why, again, it goes back to what we looked at last week. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. We have to know what the Bible says. We've got to stand upon the scriptures of truth. Now, sometimes people accuse us who believe in separation as uh, being standoffish or that we're unloving or some way superior. We don't, need to, we don't want to be that. We, we shouldn't be that. We're just sinners saved by grace. 
But we cannot condone sin, and we cannot condone doctrinal error, and we cannot be lenient on these things. We've got to herald the truth of the Scriptures. And that doctrinal error is a lie, and it's against the truth, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So there is this separation, and the true child of God has to stand separate. Separation is not an option for the child of God. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. We are to guard ourselves, and we're to guard our children, and we're to guard those around us, and we are to heed the command that God has given in his word. But not only is there an abomination that is real, and not only is there uh, an abstention that is required, but I want you to see an appearance that may ruin because he not only says abstain from evil, but he says abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, that word appearance brings a little bit of controversy uh, among the commentators. There are translators of the modern Bibles, the modern versions, and they think that the authorized uh, translators got it wrong when they put in the word appearance. Uh, the NIV and the New Living Translation translated every kind of evil. And the New uh, Revised Standard Version and the New King James Version translated every form, and the ESV as well, every form of evil. So different Bibles will translate this in different ways. And I would suggest to you that it matters what way you put this. Because uh, if you translated every kind of evil, you could argue, well, um, lying is a kind, is a genus uh, of evil. Now, I abstain from this kind of lying, but I don't need to abstain from every kind of lying. Now, you, you would be really twisting the Scriptures to argue that, but you could, you could in effect... And you know that people do twist the scriptures. People could twist it like that. Every form of evil. Again, there's a little bit of latitude there. There's a little bit of uh, leeway given to you that, um, well, I am ex I'm, I'm abstaining from the, uh, the form of evil. Uh, maybe I'm not just uh, uh, going the whole way, but I could say that I'm abstaining from every form of evil. I don't... I don't lie, I don't kill people, um, therefore I am keeping the commandment not to kill. I might be hating a brother without a cause, but um, I am abstaining from every form of evil. So there's a little bit of latitude in the modern versions. The authorized version says, all appearance of evil. Now the argument that is made against that is, well, if I am to abstain from every appearance of evil, you know, I, I, what it is really commanding me is that I don't appear to be sinning. For example, if I in this land, for example, was to get involved, and people from outside the province will maybe not understand this, if I was to be very friendly with the local 
community representative. Or if I was to get in with the uh, crowd that hangs around the street corners, people might draw the conclusion that I am some way involved in them, with them, in their drugs trade, in their racketeering, in all of these things. If a man, for example, um, is going to visit a young lady down the street, he goes down there twice a week, spends spends some time, this young lady lives alone, this young lady uh, is unmarried, you might uh, find that the neighbors would start to gossip. And what we're saying here then, if it says that we are to abstain from, nothing mightn't be going on in either case. Maybe nothing is going on in either case. But it doesn't look good. Now, what it seems to be that this text of Scripture is saying that we abstain, that we stay away from those things that don't look good. Now, the argument against that is, well, then we are held to ransom by what people think about us. We are held to ransom by what people might think rather than what we actually do, and surely that's not right. But I want to show you that the Bible does speak in these terms. The Bible does speak about these things. Uh, Let me read what the Bible commentator Albert Barnes said about this. He said, There are many things which are known to be wrong. They are positively forbidden by the laws of heaven. But there are also many things about which there may be some reasonable doubt. There are many things which in themselves may not appear to us to be positively wrong, but which are so considered by and large uh, and by respectable portions of the community and for us to do them would be regarded as inconsistent and improper. So he says that there are things, well, maybe they might be okay in their cells, but if we were to do them, we would um, look, maybe, for example, certain amusements. Or we'd go in, maybe, for example, maybe there's a, a pool table in the local public house. And we go in to play pool in the local public house. And it might look to people, if our car is parked there, as if we are frequenting the local public house. And people say, well, that can't be right because, well, then we're just held to ransom by what people think. And, for example, the the example is sometimes given, what about the Mennonites? If you lived in a Mennonite community, they would think, that it is wrong to drive a car or drive any form of mechanical vehicle. So if we were uh, driving a car in that community, we would appear to be evil to them. Now, the answer to that is that the word appearance there is a word that means the shadow of evil. That's the literal meaning of it. Now, for have a shadow, you have to have a substance. So it has to be the appearance of a real sin. I would say that driving a car is not a real sin. So it has to be the appearance of a real sin. But turn with me. I I want to show you that the Bible 
does seem to indicate that we need to be very careful about how we appear. Turn over to Romans chapter 14 and look at verses 13 to 16. He says there, let us, therefore, uh, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know that I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Look at this part. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. So he said here, this is the point, that it may be okay for you to eat the meat. But if there's a brother and he is in his conscience troubled by that, he says, don't destroy your brother for the sake of eating the meat. In other words, he is saying here that there is some merit in the appearance. Turn over again now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and look at verses 11 and 12. And there we read, that, and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye walk, that ye may walk honestly toward them that were, are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. So once again, the focus of the apostle is on what people are thinking. And you can see then that in the Bible, there is that thought about what people think. Not only that we abstain from evil, but that we make sure, as much as we can, that we're not doing anything that's going to appear to be evil. That's going to cause somebody to stumble, somebody to say, you know them, those Christians are hypocrites. Because they say one thing and they do another thing. And they're all mixed up. And uh, I've, seen, I've seen them. I've seen them in these places of ill repute or maybe going in and out of a nightclub. Maybe you went into the nightclub to get a drink of water. It may be on some occasion that you're in an emergency and you had to go into a place like that. Well, I'm not, I'm not just going to lay down and, and I go, I forbid you going in to get help if somebody was dying outside and it was a place where you could get help. You, you, you can go in there. But what I'm saying, I'm just telling you the principle that we abstain from all appearance of evil. We need to be careful about our testimony. The Bible says, Be holy, for I am holy. The book of Proverbs, chapter 22 and 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So we need to be careful about what we do and what we say and where we go. And we need to be very careful about our testimony. Our testimony is something that's valuable. Our testimony is something that we should guard with all of our hearts. Because if we're going to go out and preach the gospel, and if we're going to go out and spread the word of God, then our testimony is something that will go before us or follow us. So he says here, abstain 
from evil, but also, he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. May the Lord help us today, and may he write his word upon our hearts. And dear friend, if you're caught up in evil today, there is a remedy, and it's found in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're striving for a good name. You're not going to have a good name in heaven unless your sins are dealt with and they're washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer and we'll close our meeting in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank Thee for Thy precious word to our hearts today. We thank Thee for the salvation that we have. And, O God, we thank Thee that Thou hast given us that ability to stand against sin. We thank thee, Lord, that sin hath no more dominion over us if we're saved. And so, our God, we thank thee that we have an ability to guard our testimony. And we pray that that might be the case, that we might guard our testimony in this day, that we might be those that are able to stand in this day. Come, our God, bless and write thy word upon our hearts. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.